12 minutes after 8. Welcome to Fresh Breakfast on Metro FM. Hashtag Mad About Africa. We're hanging out with our guest this morning, Aditi Labahadur. Is that how I pronounce it? Labahadur, yeah. Labahadur. <laughs> Foreign Policy Program Manager at the South African Institute for International Affairs. Good morning, Aditi. Good morning. What do you guys do at uh, the South African Institute for the International Affairs? The South African Institute of International Affairs, we call it SIA, yes. uh, for those in the know. Uh, we're an independent uh, think tank, um, and we pride ourselves on being an African-based think tank uh, that tries to bring African perspectives onto global issues. Yes. So we look at things for everything from sort of economic policy through to resource governance, um, mm. Uh, sort of uh, global governance more generally um, and then also issues what I deal with really is actually on South African foreign policy and African foreign policy in general. Now we're here to focus on the DRC. Uh, On the 30th of December 2018, 46 million citizens cast their votes in what many call a historic election. I mean since the 60s there's been turmoil uh, in the DRCs. Uh, well, after the scramble for Africa, obviously. Just a brief DRC 101. A brief, if you don't D- mind. A brief DRC 101. I mean, uh, yeah, it's. I think I would say that it's even before the the 60s. Yes. The DRC has been in turmoil. I think the the biggest. Um, uh, crisis or the biggest tragedy of the DRC is actually its origins and that it, it has always been and uh, recognized for the fact that it was so incredibly wealthy in terms yes. of, of, of of mineral resources. And so um, it was actually the sort of annexed as the personal sort of fiefdom of uh, King Leopold II, who was the Belgian king, who'd actually never gone to the DRC ever, but sort of owned this country and uh, How? perpetuated a whole lot of human rights yes. violations. How? How was King Leopold able to turn the DRC into his little personal playground and the world just watch? Or was that how things were done back then? It, it really was how things were done back then. In the, in the Conference of Berlin, when they were, uh, you know, sort of uh, trying to sort of uh, demarcate uh, sort of areas. And, I mean, there's a whole complicated thing about how he went about doing it. Yes. But essentially, he sort of then just owned this 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 massive piece of land um, which he then um, sort of exploited for rubber production mm. and uh, uh, yeah it was just a, it was just a, it was a classic case of, of extracting um, African wealth to to enrich the, um, the so-called scramble for Africa yes yeah let's fast forward to 1960 uh, when things started changing in fact the 60s were many would argue the golden year for Africa uh, you know, uh, opportunity for new hope. Yes. Uh, what happened in the 60s in the DRC? In the DRC, I mean, I think eventually, finally, I think once there was a sort of uh, the winds of change swept through Africa and there was a decolonization process, um, you know, the DRC got got caught up in that. Um, and then there was the, you know, the, the sort of election of Patrice, President Patrice Lumumba, yes. who uh, is a much lauded uh, sort of uh, African politician. He was mm. really sort of this unifying voice, um, somebody everyone re- really respected and looked looked up to, but not somebody who was necessarily in the interests of the 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 powers who had financial and commercial yes. interests in the DRC. He was about the people. Yes, yeah, and uh, and so it was ordered from from Washington that he his execution was. Uh, and and so he was executed. Uh, so between the CIA and Belgium, he had to be removed. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. 
pretty much. I mean, I think the DRC is a classic case of, it's, I mean, it's, it's what we, it really exemplifies all of the stereotypes we understand about how African countries have been treated by Western powers. Yes. Um, the, the sort of interference of, of outside countries in the internal. Uh, Where means to an end. Yes. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So it really is, I mean, it, it, it is the, the, the classic textbook case of, of all of that. Um, and so, I mean, after Lumumba was 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 killed, assassinated, uh, you know, Mobutu Seko was installed, and he was very much uh, a kleptocrat and sort of uh, and flamboyant. Yes, and uh, and eccentric, and yes. but obviously, again, not not at all concerned with the upliftment of the Congolese people. Yeah, um, and very much about his own sort of self-aggrandizement. Mm. So, yeah. So let's fast forward again now to the Kabila years. Because for a lot Which of people, <laughs> for a lot of people, it didn't make sense that Lohan Kabila is killed. In fact, how did Lohan Kabila? How did he ascend to power? Well, so he basically just uh, he got a whole group of people together and got some support from from you know countries in the in the Great Lakes region and uh, orchestrated a coup and and had uh, and and sort of then sort of deposed Mobutu Sese Seko. Yes, uh, and that sort of catapulted is essentially very briefly it catapulted the DRC into a series of wars, which yeah. we call Africa's Great Wars. Right, mm. like it was it was literally uh, uh, involving the entire Central African region. Mm. So Burundi, Rwanda, uh, Uganda, you know, the entire Great Lakes region um, was sort of sort of uh, brought into this conflict. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it just created chaos in, yes. in that region. Um, and so, yeah, so he presided over that period. And it was only then in the in the sort of I think it was 1998 or the, or the second sorry the second Congolese war ended in like 2001 too mm. and that's where South Africa stepped in with Nelson Mandela um, and Thabo Mbeki to try sure. and sort of facilitate a peace agreement 18 minutes after 8 we're talking all things uh, DRC Zaire if you will we are hanging out with uh, Aditi Lalbadur uh, foreign policy program manager at the South African Institute for Internal Affairs 25 minutes after 8, hashtag Mad About Africa. We're talking the DRC. Zaire, if you insist. We're hanging out with Aditi Lal Bahadur, Foreign Policy Program Manager at the South African Institute for Internal Affairs. Let's talk about the Kabila dynasty, uh, as you referred to it uh, off, uh, off air. So, 1997, Laurent Kabila takes over as president amidst, uh, obviously, in the midst of conflict that spilled over from the Rwandan genocide. But he's assassinated by his bodyguard in 2001, and his son takes over. How does that work? I mean, I think, yeah, it does sound, like I said, it is, they, they does appear to have these sort of um, traditions of, of dynastic, uh, family dynastic sort of politics. You know, I think um, we have to also really understand it in the context of um, when you've had centralized power for so many years from the 1960s and even beyond that, mm. uh, power centralized in, in the form of one man. Um, at, in 2001, when uh, Laurent, um, Kabila Senior was, was assassinated, there was, there was a much, it was a really big attempt to try and democratize and mm. to sort of open uh, uh, Congolese, the co- Congolese political uh, space. Um, and so I think it was necessary to have somebody like uh, his son, his jo- Joseph, take over because it was it was actually to galvanize and to and to sort of propel uh, the country forward. The idea would so have So was been- that the lesser evil then? 
I mean, in in a power vacuum, oh, who oh. do you choose? Who where yes. do you go? Um, yes. And who who would have been the, the 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 credible alternative? I mean, the DRC has hundreds of um, of political parties, mm. and and so who do you choose? And you're looking at a post conflict scenario, sure. so it was a very fragile um, and tense time as well. So I think. What would you say Joseph Kabila's lasting legacy will be, apart from the fact that we'll remember him as the guy that didn't want to let go? <laughs> I, uh, you know, I yeah, no, I, um, I think that there was a, a a very lost opportunity in the eighteen years that that uh, that uh, he was president of the DRC. Mm. There's so much that could have been done to try and um, sort of bring the country forward just yeah. in terms of institution building just in terms of uh sort of entrenching democracy and i you know i think that all he's done is presided over a country that continues to be you know a vacuum of power mm. in many ways that, mm. you know, where it's just still centralized in in him or in the office of the president will africa ever be free of strong men that want to be leaders for life that want to hang on, that want to be the only ones that lead the people? And why do the people allow it? That's do, you, the, do you guys know? Have you done research into that? Why do, people, why do the people allow it? I mean, I think Zimbabwe is a classic case of why do the people allow it um, as well. Like, you know, in that... Um, the you know the the if you speak to Zimbabweans it's very much this case of resilience of we have endured and we will continue to endure I think yes. that's uh, it's not a fair thing to say that uh, we allow it mm. I think we uh, as African citizens in our own countries we try very hard to fight. Uh, uh, against the, the, this kind of behavior, but it is just about the way in which politics is entrenched. Uh, mm. It often is a systemic issue. It's about how, what are the institutions of oversight? Mm. How do you hold people accountable? And actually, fundamentally, it's about who monopolizes state power. Mm. Um, and so you can go into the streets and, and, and the Congolese frequently go into the streets protesting and then they're met with violent opposition, violent suppression from the state mm. itself. Mm. Uh, so there's only so much you can do. It really is actually around around uh, uh, the the need for a political leadership that is willing to to take to to take particular drastic steps um, supported by the international community or even pushed in some ways by the international community 843 we are talking the DRC hanging out with Aditi Lal Bahadur a foreign policy program manager at the South African Institute for International Affairs we have a tweet that was sent in uh, earlier on by Linda. Linda says, we can't talk about the Congo without mentioning Israel, Belgium and France. Tribalism, the Sun City Accord sponsored by South Africa, Rwanda-sponsored rebels plundering the Northeast, and clandestine agreements between JZ, Kabila and Doshantosh, all former presidents now. Uh, your, your, your quick comment on that because we're really here about the results currently. Sure. Um, I, I think uh, she's absolutely on point. Uh, it really actually speaks to the, the, the how central the DRC is uh, in the politics and economy, economy of, of the rest of Africa mm. and the rest of the world. So that will be my comment. What's happening right now in the DRC? <laughs> because you're hearing so-and-so one, the Catholic Church are saying one thing, 
the Electoral Commission is saying another thing. What's your understanding of where we are right now with the DRC? So from what I can understand, uh, Felix Chesikedi, who is the leader of the opposition party, uh, is going to be sworn in into government today. And many would argue it's also dynastic yes. because uh, Chesikedi's dad, Etienne, yeah. Etienne was yeah. Uh, Kabila... Um, what's it called? Well, he was the, the uh, he's the leader of the main opposition yes. party. So Kabila's for, opposition, yeah, for, yes. for for very many years, uh, like you know, sort of spanning all the way uh, back. And I think he also served some time in in the Mobutu government, uh, you know, in some sort of capacity. I don't, yeah. I'm not sure if he was prime minister. Or so dynasties, like I think, in those Dynastic parts of the world. politics is a thing. I mean, again, it's it's it, it. I think it's a classic case of an absence of state institutions. Then yes. it's it, power is centralized in essence. In, Default in position becomes that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I think the process leading up to the point of, of inauguration is very interesting because it was so contested uh, uh, and it was so uncertain. We were, you know, we've been analyzing this for so many years and last year kind of trying to scenario plot what, what would be the likely, likely outcome. And even this outcome was was not even on our radar. Uh, that's how unpredictable, um, you know, how uncertain it was, mm. and how and how how things can change. Why were these elections so important? Um, okay, there's a whole. It was. It's been an election that was delayed for two years, mm. right? Uh, and in the two-year delay leading up, like in the year leading up to the 2016, when the election was supposed to be held, Kabila was making. Um, move sounds and movements and, and machinations indicating that he didn't want to leave government, that he wanted yeah. to stay on. Um, and so there was this fear that this, these elections would never take place. Sure. That, so that's the one reason. And then they finally took place two years later, two years and one week later, because they also deferred it by another week um, in December. And then the other thing that's really sort of historic about them is is that uh, you're seeing for the first time a, a shift in power away from the Kabila regime mm. towards, uh, you know, the opposition uh, sort of party. And that's essentially a handover of power, mm. really, which, in like we're saying, in, in, in a space where there's an absence of state institutions, there's an absence of... of um, of democracy necessarily, mm. this is a big. It's a big deal because hope, we're hoping that it's going to be a, a peaceful transfer from one president to the next. Eight forty-six, fresh breakfast on Metro FM. We're talking the DRC. Your calls are welcome. Uh, is this Kapend? Yes, that's correct. Yes, Kapend. Kapend, welcome. What's on your mind, sir? Um, thank you. Um, you're speaking to Kapend. Uh, I'm the first. Um, I mean, it's the first time to be on radio. Welcome. Actually, I was driving, and then I've heard that you're talking about Congo. Yes. I am a Congolese uh, citizen. So my comment was like, is like, you know, what's happening in the Congo is very sad and it's very pity because you know the Congolese people was hoping for a change. You know, I was watching it on TV, on international TV. So, uh, so many people went to the polling station to vote under the rain. It was very difficult, but they went to express, you know, to, they went to express the change. They w- people wanted a change. They wanted really to see Kabila and his, all his people out. But what you are seeing today is totally different. So what is happening is Kabila chose the better devil. So the guys or the person that Congolese people voted was Martin Fayolo. But unfortunately, what you have seen, it's really sad. You know, many people went to vote. They were hoping for the for the change, but they didn't get that change. So what is happening right now is like the same people that they wanted out, they are still in power. Mm. So when you look at, for example, uh, Kabila currently 
is have the majority in the parliament, even in the Senate as well. So what does it mean that the current president will be just a puppet? He's not gonna he's not gonna be able to lead. He doesn't have any power. So however, people went I mean the Congolese people went to W- wanted to, to have a real change. They wanted to see a new, a, a really a, a good president in the head of the country. But what they've done is they chose the better devil. Because the current, the person who has been, actually I cannot say has been elected, Kabila chose to be a president, he accepted to, uh, to, 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 to work with Kabila. He accepted to guarantee Kabila's, um, how, do, how, how can I say, uh, uh, safety. Because the Martin Fayulu, Michael Safarulu said that he is not going to allow Kabila and his people to leave again. And then he's not going to allow, actually, when he's going to be a president, all Kabila's people must be in court. And then they have to, uh, uh, they have to be some sort of accountability. Mm. And then Kabila was afraid of that. What he has done is, if they prefer to give it to the better devil. Yeah, the devil that might uh, guarantee you immunity. Exactly. Okay, we're going to leave it at that, um, Kapend. Thank you very much. Good morning. Is this Herrick? Yes. Herrick, what's I on your mind? Parish. We're good. Thanks for joining uh, us. Yeah. Um, I will go plus minus in the same direction with uh, um, the last caller. Kapend, yes. Um, yes. Um, that is what people need to understand. Um, things that are happening in my country, I am also from Congo. Um, it, you know, you have just to go a few weeks back before the result of the election came out. Um, for someone who fought a government or Kabila for so many years with his father and all that, to change, you know, his way of speaking and talking about Kabila like, you know, they're getting married <laughs> the next day, you know, um, just said all about it, you know. Um, can you imagine, I will just give you a small example, you do have three offices where people need to go and vote, and in each three offices put those TV, uh, so it was like the result of each office on the doors. Mm. So that actually plus minus is what the Catholic Church, you know, took the picture of, and they had all this information with them. And that's showing something else. In the end, when uh, Failu, uh, for example, I am not for Failu, I am for the truth, you know. Um, yes. I just have to, to, to put it out there. So you're, you're pro-democracy, you're not pro-Failu? No. Yes. Uh, he's a good guy, if, because we can see that he's the one who won the truth just need to be said. We're going to leave it at that, Herrick. Thank you very much. Uh, Anonymous, we will come to your call. Please do not hang up. 8.51, Fresh Breakfast on Metro FM. Hashtag Mad About Africa. We're hanging out with Aditi Lal Bahadur, Foreign Pro Policy Program Manager at the South African Institute for International Affairs. Wrapping up our chat on uh, the DRC situation currently, we're hanging out with uh, Aditi Lal Bahadur. I've butchered your surname the whole morning. I apologize. (laughs) Foreign Policy Program Manager at the South African Institute for International Affairs. Anonymous has been holding for quite a minute. Anonymous, thanks for your patience. Thank you so much, DJ Fresh. How are you? We're good. Uh, speak your mind, sir. Uh, my mind is that, that um, you know, the election was just a facade. There, there, there's no Kabila out, Kabila still in, as the other previous caller was saying. Mm. But what I think and what I suggest is that as, as the Congolese, as a population, we need to accept the change for now. 
just to avoid the further war. We've been in a war like for the rest of our lives, mm. you know. I'm 32 years old. That's what I've experienced in my entire life till today. Mm. This thing of saying, at least there's a chance that someone from the opposition party uh, took over. So let's give him the chance to lead and see what's going to happen. We know that it was in Africa, what do we expect? Free and fair election. But uh, since it's going to be a problem, this is what brings the war back and there's no moving country forward at all. Mm. That, that the people just need to accept tend to see if we can get a new presidency, you know, just to avoid the wars. The wars has been the DRC, and that's the worst thing that you can ever experience in your life, and nothing's going to move forward at mm. all. Brother, thanks for calling. Just out of interest, why did you choose to be anonymous? Um, you know, uh, there's nothing really... Uh, there's not, nothing really deep. It's just that I didn't want to... Okay. Uh, I thought you were in hiding. Myself. I thought you were in nah. hiding. It's fine then. Thanks for calling, my my, my guy, Aditi. Yeah. What do you say to three people from the DRC are saying it's all a farce? Um, the yeah. winner is not the president. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really complicated. The result is is the is the they've hit the nail on the head in so many ways. Is that um, you know the first? I think one of the first callers was saying is that the Chisikedi was the lesser of the two evils. Mm. Uh, that I you know I think that is very much the case. I know um, that uh, when it became apparent that. Um, uh, Kabila was not going. Kabila's candidate was not mm. going to be win, winning the elections. I know that he has he sent delegations to meet with Chisikedi and with the Fayulu camp to be able to discuss, uh, you know, sort of uh, start discussions on okay, what is an exit strategy for me? Yes. So it, um, you know, it's not it's not uh, uh, beyond conception that that he then you know was was able to then decide okay, which Went is the, the which, best deal, which is the one that was, is going to give me the best deal. And I think that that is that is something that we need to. You, you know, I think whether it was Fayulu as well, it, it, there was there was going to be have to be the way in which um, power is structured in, in in the DRC. There was always going to be, have to be some kind of deal mm. with the, with the existing sort of um, people in power because mm. you have you have yes, it's power centralized in the head of Kabila, but mm. he's bolstered by key you know ministers and key uh he's a generals. system he's not a man he's, he's a exactly system. he's he's the head of a system and yes. as you can see in zimbabwe as well but um so uh, so i mean there was always going to be have to be some kind of negotiated settlement i think um but i think the last caller makes a very interesting point is that and i think that's possibly why you what informs the position of sadik um who very controversially said that called for a recount and then and sort of of, of the of the votes and then sort of pulled back that that uh decision why are sadik yeah. leaders always afraid to rock the boat it's almost like they want to prop one another up. It 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 it, it, it yeah. baffles me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I it really is just uh, it's static politics is really just one of uh, solidarity essentially. I mean, I think it boils down to that of the solidarity of of leaders, um, and um, whatever whatever sort of um, negotiations happen, they kind of tend to happen behind the scenes. There's, there's always this image of. Um, 
you know, sort of quiet diplomacy that yes. South Africa is, as, is known for. An all-boys club almost. Yes. Yeah. yes. Um, I think we're going to have to leave it at that. We are out of time. But if I'm interested in the work that the SA Institute for International Affairs does, is there a website? Do you guys publish papers? Yeah, you can. Fo- we are on everything. We're on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Uh, and then we also have our website, which disseminates where you can where you can find all of our research. It's sia.org.za, S-A-I-I-A.org.za. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, it's, and then we're on, you can follow us on Twitter, Sire info underscore mm. info. Yeah. So we're Thank there. you for your time. Thanks for hanging Thank out you. with us. Thanks for jumping into a pot of oil, <laughs> as it were. We're going to leave it at that, leaving you with a thought for today. Africa, we have to be okay. We don't have a choice. Have a great day in spite of yourselves. The bridge is next. It's 9 a.m.